Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Warehouse. I'm not going to make you um, answer a question and talk to each other, so you could just go ahead and have a seat. <laughs> Some of you are like, phew, thank you. Uh, well, we're glad you're here on this beautiful morning. My name is Deirdre, and just to orient you to the building, if you are new here, remember over there to the right, we have a coffee room with various beverages. There are restrooms that way and through those doors. We are in our fifth week of Welcome, which is a series on hospitality and how hospitality really forms God's story and our own. And I want to let you know about some really great opportunities that you can get involved in really showing hospitality uh, firsthand. So one is Change Choices. Um, this is an incredible organization that Warehouse, we have partnered with as one of our key um, partners for the year. Change Choices is an incredible um, organization that is working with women in a holistic way who are incarcerated. And so while they're incarcerated and as they um, enter back into regular society after they get out. And so this is a great organization, and there are many ways that you can get involved. Um, Warehouse is living out our hospitality uh, here by hosting their Christmas party on December 8th. And you can be involved in that, or if you want to be involved in Change Choices in other ways and throughout the year, whether you're already a volunteer or you're a new volunteer or you just want to learn more, come next Sunday. Right after service, there will be a volunteer training here. And now there will be lunch and child care. So it's important that you register so we have enough food and enough child care. So you can email Steph at changechoices.org, or you can go on the warehouse website and sign up and register, but would really love to see you get involved in this incredible organization. Today uh, also is Orphan Sunday, if you're familiar with um, this concept, Orphan Sunday, and we just want to take a couple minutes and really recognize um, what that means, and just remember the orphans that are in our city and around the world. There are many, and it can feel overwhelming when you think about the plight of orphans in our world. But, you know, there are things that we can do um, to come alongside these vulnerable children. And, in fact, that's one of our justice initiatives this year at Warehouse is coming alongside resilient children. And so Warehouse, uh, we are partnering with Congregation for Kids, uh, which is another great organization here in Charlotte that is trying to uh, really engage the churches to understand the orphan crisis, the foster care crisis here in Charlotte, and engage churches to come alongside and, and just be involved. Um, there's so many ways to be involved. Um, and so, again, proud that Warehouse is stepping up and really getting involved in this heart issue. And I know, um, you know, for many years, this congregation at Warehouse has been so wonderful. There's so many families here that have adopted, who have foster children. And so we just want to celebrate that, support that, and continue to see our, our congregation grow in that. You know, if you're familiar with um, the verse James 127, it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And so that's what we want to do, and that's, that's who we want to be as a church. So if you will just join me, let's just take a couple minutes and pray um, about this. So, Father God, we love you, Lord, and we are so grateful that we can call you Abba Father. But, Father, we also want to recognize that there are so many children in our city right here in Charlotte and around the world, God, who 
just, they don't have an earthly father as they may not have a connection to you as their heavenly father. And so, Lord, we just pray um, for this orphan crisis around the world. Um, Father, we pray that you will see them, that you will um, wrap your arms around these orphans and these children that are in foster care, Lord, that they will somehow know your love and your care for them and that they are not invisible. But, Father, we also know that you've called us to be the hands and feet, and you have called us to act and to move and to be a part of your redeeming work in this world. And that involves getting down and dirty and caring for people, caring for foster families, caring for adoptive families, caring for these orphans and foster children, Lord, right in our midst and around the world. And so, Father, I just pray that at Warehouse 242, we will be a people, God, that engages Lord, that we um, roll up our sleeves and we say yes to your calling in our life. Lord, um, we want to help orphans and widows in their times of distress. And may we be a church that's marked by that, Lord. We need your help. We need your power, Lord. So we just um, pray, God, that you will do that, that you will move in our midst and move our hearts. And we thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. So today, as I mentioned, we're in the welcome series, and Wes, our lead pastor, is teaching this morning, and uh, we're continuing with that theme, and today he's really talking about the hospitality of Jesus, and what does it look like for us to receive Jesus' hospitality and welcome, and then how do we live with him in that? And so today, uh, our lament is a little bit different. Uh, Typically, we might have a song, but this morning, I'm going to show a clip from the movie Mona. And if you're familiar with the movie Mona, if you're not, uh, she is a little girl on a Polynesian island, and she's the daughter of the island's chief. And Moana, see, I don't have children, so I don't know these things. Thank you, Wes, for telling me how to pronounce Moana. Awesome. Okay. So, Moana is a little girl, right? Am I right? Okay, good. She's on a Polynesian island, daughter of the chief. Okay, good, good. Okay, so got that part right. And she, the people think she should stay on her island, but she wants to go off and find Maui. I mean, how can it not be pronounced Maui, right? Okay, Maui. And she wants to find Maui and encourage him to, to bring back the stolen heart of a goddess that I am not going to try to pronounce the name of. Tafifi? Tafifi. Okay, awesome. Okay. I'm really knocking it out of the park this morning. Great. Um, Wes can come back up and redeem this whole thing after I finish. But bottom line is uh, Moana finds Maui and encounters him for the first time. And we get a picture of how someone who was both a god and a human offers hospitality. (sighs) Welcome to Warehouse. (laughs) You fun. Also, I harness the breeze. You're welcome to fill your sails and shake your trees. So what can I say except you're welcome for the islands I pull from the sea. There's no need to pray, it's okay. You're welcome. I guess it's just my way of being me. You're welcome. You're welcome. 
Yeah, I saw some of you guys singing along. You can't resist. Such a good song. Uh, you guys know Lynn Manuel Miranda, who wrote Hamilton, also wrote this song, which is why it's so catchy. Guy's a genius. Amazing. So how many of you have actually seen the movie Moana? All right. You can raise your hand if you don't have kids. We know. We know that some of the best movies out there are kids' movies. Um, so just in case you lost the thread in Deirdre's orientation, which is awesome, uh, <laughs> The basic plot of Moana is that it's this girl who grows up on a Polynesian island. Her father's the chieftain, and she embarks on this mission to find Maui, who's a demigod. He's part god, part human, and he has stolen the heart of Tafiti, and she's going to get him to return that. Uh, and it's a, it's a beautiful movie. It's a funny movie. Uh, but all this is actually based on a real Polynesian mythology of the creation of the world, and, and, and Maui is a big part of that as this demigod, part god, part human. And, and the first major build of the movie is toward this moment where Moana has finally found his island and is about to meet Maui. And so you're thinking as you're watching this movie, I wonder what it's going to be like. like. What will it be like to have this demigod in uh, uh, in conversation and, and, and whatnot. And so you get to this point, you're like, oh, oh, he's full of himself. Okay, I guess that makes sense. He's a god. But um, I was just watching uh, Moana with my daughter, Beata, who's four years old. She's very sensitive to movies, so she watched the whole movie like this behind the couch. And uh, there's some pretty scary monsters. Um, but when the song started, you know, he got these words, it's Maui, breathe it in. I know it's a lot, the hair, the bod, when you're staring at a demigod, what can I say except you're welcome. And, and Beata just goes, he thinks he's the hero. God's the hero. My little theologian four-year-old. And I was like, yeah, that's right, Beata, God's the hero. But, you know, Maui thinks he's a god. And she got this puzzled kind of pensive look on her face. And she said, but God is God. Yeah, uh, I, I love how four-year-olds are often better theologians than 44-year-olds, you know? It's like super simple. God's God. We're not. You know, he's the hero. Um, but if you go deeper behind that song, I think there's a lot to ponder and just about this character, Maui. And uh, I can't help but wonder, you know, uh, if God came to us in human form, what would his welcome be like? What, what kind of hospitality would he show to a, to a regular human being like me, like you? Um, and would it be like Maui? I mean, a lot, a lot of religions out there say, yeah, I mean, that's pretty accurate, right? Gods can do whatever they want. God, the gods don't need us for their being gods. And so it's like, yeah, you're welcome. We're the gods. You're not. So that is quite common. But then there's Jesus, and, and this is why Jesus stands out among the stories of the world religions. Look at this description of Jesus in Philippians 2. And think about what you just saw with Maui. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This is who Jesus was. Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather... He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So this 
is how the one and only God of all creation decided to show himself to us. He made himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant. He humbled himself. He became obedient to death. Think of the contrast here between almost all other world religions. Let's just take Maui. Maui says, you should be amazed by me. And Jesus says, I want to serve you. Maui says, you should thank me because you're with me. And Jesus says, I want to be with you. Maui comes in power and indifference, flexing his muscles. And and Jesus comes in humility, deep humility, and loving initiative. For me, humility and initiative are two of the main features of how God shows his hospitality to us, specifically through the person of Jesus. But I think you see it wherever God is welcoming us. He's doing so with humility, and he's doing so with loving initiative. And then, for those of us who are in Christ by faith, those should be the two main features of our own expressions of hospitality that should arise out of a deep humility and lead us to take initiative. So that's, that's what I want to dive into this morning. I want to look at how that's true of Jesus, and then if we are in Christ by the Spirit, how that could be true of us as individuals and as a church. So I want to start with humility first. That's what this is about, Philippians 2. Paul says, Jesus humbled himself, and out of that humility, out of that deep humility, he does the most hospitable thing in the whole world, in the history of the world. He willingly dies for people who who don't even know they're lost in order to welcome them back to God. So the divine hospitality of Jesus, as described in Philippians 2, arises out of this deep humility of God deciding, I'm going to make myself nothing. I'm going to deeply humble myself in order to do the most hospitable thing. And then, In the same breath, Paul's challenging the church toward this same attitude, right? Earlier on in Philippians 2, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others Above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So, in other words, if you have this vital relationship with God through Christ, if you're united to Him by faith, this Christ who died for you and gave you new life, then you should have this deep humility out of which flows hospitality. Have you ever heard this phrase, poverty makes a good host? Poverty makes a good host. I think uh, it's a common phrase. I think it's true both literally and spiritually. Um, Literally speaking, some of the most radical hospitality I've ever received was in the slums of Mexico City. Uh, Steph and I worked with Armonia Ministries about a decade ago. And part of what we did is we partnered with local leaders in a community center uh, uh, in the Jalapa Ravine. Jalapa in Mexico City is literally the city's garbage dump. Um, that people built this squatter settlement on. 
And as the, as the garbage um, shifted, so did all of these buildings. I mean, it was a very precarious place to live in Mexico City, the poorest place in Mexico City. And right in the middle of it was this community center called the Jalapa Community Center. And one of the leaders um, had basically started this thing out of her own initiative, uh, trying to care for her neighbors. And we got the opportunity to, to visit her in her home one afternoon. And we, we get to her place, uh, and it's about, I don't know, maybe twice the size of this, of this stage. There are eight people living in that space. It was a, a space made of whatever they could find, concrete, metal, plastic. Um, but it was their home, and she was so proud of it. And she invited us in, just beaming that we were there at her home. And uh, had made this beautiful homemade horchata. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone? Anyone like, oh my word, it's a beautiful drink. Uh, offers that to us. And she had purchased, I don't know how much money this cost, but she had purchased this gorgeous cake uh, for us. It was three or four of us that were there. She served up these massive slices of this cake and laid it before us. She didn't take any. And just, we just enjoyed conversation about her home and her neighbors and, and, and the ministry of, of the community center. And it was, it was beautiful, but it was overwhelming to experience such, such deep generosity in the midst of such poverty. And some of you know, know what I'm talking about. I've been in, in that kind of circumstance. Um, but it, was, it was so clear that it was the humility of really having nothing that enabled this woman to want to give us everything. Uh, and that was connected very much as well to her relationship with Jesus and recognizing that God, through Christ, has already given her everything she needs. And so she was just pouring it out in deep humility and in deep joy. And, and spiritually speaking, it's the same rhythm. And, and the rhythm is, Jesus once said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever really, really thought about what that means? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What, what's poverty of heart or spirit? Well, I mean, what Jesus is talking about is only those who really realize that they are nothing without God can receive everything from God. Only those who come to, to realize in deep humility that they are lost without God can be found and given everything by God. That no amount of my understanding can comprehend God. No amount of my effort can, can earn favor with God. No amount of, of my, my doing uh, can measure up to God. No amount of my strength can reconcile this relationship with God. But in my weakness and in that helplessness, God says, you are mine and I'm going to give you everything that I have. This is the, the radical hospitality of God. And, and part of what God gives us in that process is he gives us other people through which we encounter him. And, and not, not just the people that we like, right, but, but people that we wouldn't ordinarily hang out with, people that are not just our friends but strangers. And so part of this movement of poverty of spirit is recognizing, yes, I need God desperately. In that need, he's given me everything. And, and I also really need other people. I need these people that God has put in my life, particularly people who are different than me. I need them in order to thrive and be whole. 
And so out of our humility, our need for God and our need for other people, springs hospitality. Here's how Henry Nouwen connects the dots between humility and hospitality. Henry Nouwen was a Dutch author and, and pastor. He says, With poverty of heart, we can receive the experiences of others as a gift to us. Their histories creatively connect with ours. Their lives give new meaning to ours. And their God speaks to ours in mutual revelation. Poverty of heart creates community. Since it's not in self-sufficiency, but in creative interdependency that the mystery of life unfolds itself to us. So in the very heart of who God is and what life is all about is this deep need for each other, a deep need for relationship. So there's this real sense in which humility is hospitality. And and hospitality is, by its very nature, humble. Uh, and, And that's true both for receiving the work of, of God in our lives and receiving the presence and work of other people in our lives. That hospitality and humility go hand in hand. And then out of that humility springs initiative. Uh, it's this humble attitude and posture that says, I want you in my life. I need you in my life. It's not the, the Maui attitude of, hey, you get to be with me. Come on in. No, I, I really want to be with you. I need you. Would you be with me? That drives this initiative. Uh, have you ever felt what it, what it might be like or thought about what it would be like to, uh, to have someone that you could only dream of spending time with reaching out to you and saying, hey, I want to come over for dinner? Like, I don't know, Bono or who is it for you? Someone like, you know, in some other universe, this person might notice me and want to come over to my house, um, whoever that might be. Um, it would be awesome, and it's, of course, even more awesome than just running into a celebrity. Some of you maybe have had this experience. Um, when Steph and I were living in St. Andrews, Scotland, part of what we got to do is uh, we may or may not have snuck into the, the uh, Open, the British Open, uh, on the old course. And because um, it's a great place to hang out, we, we love to just walk around the 18th hole, which is, uh, you know, this beautiful uh, stretch of fairway right next to the North Sea. And uh, we were walking around. I had Eden strapped to me. She was a baby at the time. And I wandered up to the fence and realized I was standing right next to Bill Murray. And since I had Eden, uh, I kind of used Eden as like to get his attention, you know, <laughs> like, come on, start crying. And... <laughs> And he, he turned to me and tipped his hat and said, good day, or some, something weird, Bill Murray-ish thing. And, and then just kept on walking by. It was super cool, right? Like, I, it was a great, a great moment. And, uh, um, but what would it be like for Bill Murray, or whoever, to be like, I want to come over for dinner. This actually happens, by the way. He's known for when he, especially in St. Andrews for some reason, he just walks around and just jumps into student parties that he finds. So, um, yeah, every time he's there, and apparently he's there a lot. There was one time when we were there that uh, apparently he, was, he just walked in and started doing dishes in someone's apartment. And most people didn't even know he was there and, and <laughs> until they, they saw it in the news the next morning. Like, Bill Murray was in my house? What? Um, <laughs> I mean, that would be super cool. And this is what I want you to imagine. Imagine 
How amazed you would be if that would happen to you. If some celebrity that you would long to be with came to your house just to hang out and do the dishes. Um, but then imagine they're not just doing that for the thrill of it for them. That's probably why Bill Murray's dude's like, this will be fun, you know. But imagine they were doing that because they really, really wanted to be with you. Like genuine interest in you. And, and I think you're getting a little closer to what's going on with Jesus. Um, and and the, the reaction against Jesus and the longing to be with Jesus. See, he was doing this sort of thing. Jesus, and he was a, a famous public figure at this time. He was notorious for just showing up at people's houses. Unexpected. People that were like, why are you there? Why are you hanging out with these people? Um, and, and this wasn't a random decision for Jesus, like Bill Murray just stumbling into a student party. Like He was doing this because of who he was, and, and a result of his deep humility that we just read about, and, and his intentional initiative to live out his mission. Um, because this was so unusual, it was really angering all the uptight religious people. Um, and I want to show you just one example of this. Um, in Luke 15... Jesus is going to be telling some stories about why is he doing this? Like, what is the deal with Jesus showing this kind of hospitality? And, and you'll see in the first verses of Luke 15 that before Jesus launches into these stories, he's doing so because his hospitality habits are making people really angry. Um, they don't understand why, and they think he should be showing hospitality in a different way. Okay, so here the first few verses set up the scene, and they say this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. In other words, these religious people are thinking, Jesus is wasting his time. I mean, he should be hanging out with with these people, but no, he's over here hanging out with with these people. Uh, I mean, who would want to be with them? Why would he waste all of his time and energy and, and resources to be doing this? And from that objection comes the, the stories in Luke 15. So here's the first story that Jesus tells. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't that leave the 99 in the open country? Uh, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. There's so much in here. But um, let's start with the fact that, I mean, the 99 sheep are important. Shepherd cares about them too, but it's the lost sheep that needs to be pursued. It's the lost sheep that needs to be found and welcomed back. And so this is where the shepherd is focusing his initiative. He takes the initiative to pursue that sheep. He takes the initiative to bring that sheep back. He takes the initiative to celebrate that sheep. And Jesus concludes, he says, There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Um, there's, there's different interpretations of what Jesus means here, but I think it basically comes down to this. God has more joy 
over welcoming one person who really knows that they need to be rescued and welcomed than over 99 people who don't really think they need to be rescued and welcomed back. That's, that's what he's saying. And, and that brings us back to humility again, because he's saying it's, it's the, the humble person, it's the person who recognizes their, their deep need and desire to be welcomed back that will receive the rescue and welcome of Jesus. And then it's the humble, rescued, welcome sinner who adopts the way of Jesus by taking the same initiative for other people. So here's the connection. The, the extent to which we embrace a lifestyle of hospitality. That's, this is what we've been talking about in this series. It's our longing for this year. The extent to which we do that depends on the extent to which we embrace God's initiating hospitality toward us. The extent to which we recognize our abject need and our longing to receive everything that God has for us. And, and Peter lays out this truth that it's been given. In, in his first letter to the church, Peter says, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. I was like a lost sheep. There's the humility. But God has taken the initiative. He has welcomed me back. And so therefore, it's within that context that Peter's command makes sense. And a couple chapters later, he says, So therefore, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I think that's so beautiful on, on multiple levels. I mean, so he's saying, take creative initiative to show hospitality to others, to serve them, just as God has taken initiative to show hospitality to you. But do that in a way in which God has gifted you. So don't do it in an unnatural way. Work out your joy and your hospitality in, in specific ways. And there's tons of different ways to show initiative uh, in, in, in showing hospitality. So let's just think about a few. I mean, some of you, you have the gift of encouragement. Have you ever thought about that as a way of being hospitable to people? It's beautifully hospitable to say, to know when to say a kind and encouraging word to someone who needs it. Um, some of you have the gift of administration. God bless you. What a beautiful way to live out hospitality by helping other people get organized so they can be at their best. Um, some of you have the gift of, of wisdom. And you can show hospitality by uh, discerning and guiding people along the path that God has for them. Some of you have the gift of listening. And you show hospitality just by being present and by not saying a word. By listening some of you have the gift of humor, and you show hospitality by just disarming the situation for people and making them feel like, okay, I'm all right. Some of you have the gift of art, and you show hospitality by creating these works of art that make people feel welcome in a space. Some of you have the gift of roasting pork butts and, and like, baking pies, and uh, yeah. And I've intentionally left that one to the end because I think this is what we automatically think about. We're like hospitality, food, inviting people to my home. 
And that is a beautiful way of showing hospitality. It is one of the many gifts that a community like this has. And not all of us really have the gift of cooking and (laughs) inviting people into our home. But those of you who do, that's a beautiful way. There are as many ways to initiate hospitality as there are gifts of God. That's the point. And all of these gifts are ways that we steward God's hospitality to us. So Peter is saying, God has given you this grace and he's gifted you. So just as he has gifted you, use that to gift others. And doing so then is a beautiful way of imitating Jesus, who in deep humility recognized that he wanted to give and then he took the initiative to welcome us back to God. And so humbled by our need for God and others, we do the same thing. And we, we uh, live within the energy of God's Spirit who leads us to work out our gifts in very unique ways. So I, I was thinking about, you know, we have all these specific ways that we show hospitality. But sometimes I think it's really critical for the whole church to show hospitality together. Kind of like when we meet on Sundays, we want this to be a hospitable place. But I think there can be power in all practicing hospitality in one unique way together. And so I want to do that right away today, like right now. Um, And the way that I want to do it is I want to write notes of solidarity and encouragement to the Jewish community in Charlotte. Uh, Some of you know two weeks ago, it's the deadliest attack on, Jewish, on the Jewish community in U.S. history. The shooting in, in Pittsburgh. And, I mean, the Jewish community is still reeling from that. They're still shocked by that. So what does it look like for us as the church to take initiative and to show hospitality to our Jewish neighbors and let them know we love them, we're grieving for them, we care, we're praying? Um, so... I want to write these notes together. Uh, You'll see those tables on the edge of the room. There's cards and there's pens. And this is super simple. Uh, Obviously, you can all write different notes. But I would encourage us toward a couple things as you're thinking about what to write. Uh, One, we're grieving with you. Uh, Solidarity in times like this is really important. Lamenting together. And, and the second is just that we're longing and we're praying for peace. For them, for us, for our city, for our world. And we want to link arms in that. So something really simple. Something, write something so that our Jewish neighbors know we love them and that we are for them. Um, so we're all going to get up after I pray. And you could write your note at the table. You could sit against the wall. You could come back to your chair. We have about five minutes to do this, so plenty of time. Ask God to show you what to write, write it, uh, and then bring it back to one of those tables. And we'll put those in envelopes tomorrow, and we'll send them out to synagogues and Jewish community centers. Um, And uh, it's our prayer that in doing that, that they're going to feel encouraged, and our Jewish neighbors will encounter the love of Jesus in that moment. So as soon as I pray, we'll go up, get your card, grab a pen, write that note, and then uh, band will call us back together to start singing together. Also, um, we usually take offering during our first song, but while we're up, why don't you just stick your offering in one of those baskets as well, and we'll sort through it that way as a part of our worship. Um, So thank you for doing this together. I think it's going to be beautiful, and um, I love the opportunity 
to be very specific with our hospitality. And so we get to do that today. So why don't you pray with me? God, there's, there's so much hurt and pain in the world, and it makes us all too often, it seems, just cry out to you. There, there's the pain in our own hearts that makes us cry out to you. May we receive your welcome when we do so. There's so many of those we love that are in physical pain. I think specifically of Adrian Bashir this morning. Hear his cry and heal him and his broken leg. But God, there's, there's other, others that feel pain because they've lost. They've lost family. They've lost friends. They've lost community. And God, may you comfort them. Move your church to show the hospitality that we are called to show to those who are hurting in a whole variety of ways. Um, God, we know sometimes whole groups of people hurt because of oppression, because of uh, systemic injustice, because of disaster. And, and we think specifically of the Jewish community this morning. Move us to show, show them hospitality, to love them well, to um, link arms with them in this experience of brokenness and a longing for hope. So may we encourage them with our words today. Move us to write the words that they need to hear, and may that heal and bring peace and grace in such a hostile time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can stay standing as I send us out. I I hope... You found welcome here today. Know that what we do on a Sunday is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to worship, which is living our lives in worthiness to the God who created us and gave up his life for us. So it begins here, spreads through the whole city as we leave this place. Um, If you're new to Warehouse or if you're just seeking to engage more in in collective action and events, you can always go to our skinny that tells you what's coming up. Uh, our community calendar and whatnot. You can get links there as well. But if you have some particular questions about what that might look like, always feel free to talk to one of us or or write your questions or interests on one of those cards, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Um, Also, I want to point out that our prayer room is always available after these services. Prayer is one of the most beautiful ways of consistently receiving God's welcome for you in Christ. And, and whether it's the first time that you're receiving that welcome or you're just wanting that to go deeper into your heart, I would just encourage you to um, make use of prayer and this gift that has, uh, God's given us for connecting with him. Um, as you go from this place, receive what God has for you. May you receive the deep, radical welcome of God in Christ. It's not based on anything you are or have done, but just because God wants to be with you and wants you as as a part of his life. So receive that welcome and leaning on the spirit, may you live out that same welcome toward others. May you do so looking to Jesus who humbled himself and became like a servant and then initiated hospitality for the sake of the world. So go in grace. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Warehouse 242 podcast. 
you have any questions or want to find out more about Warehouse, visit warehouse242.org or come join us on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 2307 Wilkinson Boulevard in Charlotte. Thanks for listening.